I don't think there is another hymn out there that is as well known and is often played and performed as Amazing Grace. There is something about the depth and the haunting beauty of the melody that no matter where you hear it, it evokes a deep sense of emotion. But there's also something about the words that also convey the depths of an individual's understanding of the grace of God. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. John Newton penned those words soon after his conversion. Now, if people don't know the backstory of, the, of John Newton, what is important to know is that he was born into basically a broken home, felt unloved by his own father and abandoned, and was basically ignored by the men who came into his mother's life after his father's departure. At an extremely young age, as is not unusual for that time period, especially among young boys who were raised in um, lower class homes, he, as a young teenager, went off and apprenticed himself as a merchant mariner. Over time, he rose through the ranks and into the leadership and became very engaged from at least the shipping and in the slave trade of its time. And it wasn't until one of his ships got knocked over in a storm and he was overboard, overboard and almost drowned that he re finally reached out to God and was rescued in the midst of the travesty. After a few false starts with God and trying to lead a good life, one that it was free of alcohol abuse and all the other parts of seamanship that were negative at that time, he finally entered the Ang ordained Anglican ministry. And he also discovers and realizes in that process how truly horrific the slave trade was and lives throughout his remaining years carrying both the remorse for his role in the slave trade and with this sense of gratitude for the forgiveness that he found through being saved by God in that turmoil of almost drowning. So much like Paul, after his point of conversion, lived in an understanding and a life of gratitude to God, not because his life was blessed in the way so many of our evangelical ministers talk about in terms of financial wealth that accumulates and that is seen as God's blessing, but in the sense of the blessing of God's grace of despite what he had done in his past, through the redemption of the cross, 
was made worthy like each and every one of us to be a receiver of the salvation and the love of God. This is very reflective of St. Paul who writes to us today through Timothy, who again talks about his own life and the gratitude he has to God for being turned from sinner to righteous one. From one who is worthy of death in the eyes of God to one who is made worthy to proclaim the gospel. St. Paul's life also parallels that of John Newton's. St. Paul, as we know from his story, and he goes back to this over and over and over again in his writings, was once a very young, brash, and ambitious Pharisee who came into his adulthood in the midst of this forming organization called Christianity back then, known as The Way. And as a good Pharisee, sought to defend the temple establishment and the Jewish faith. And so he, on behalf of the Jewish establishment, goes out to put an end to these followers of Jesus of Nazareth. And the first appearance of Paul in the book of Acts is when he orders and participates in the stoning of the first Christian martyr, St. Stephen. It is not until Paul finds himself walking along the road to Damascus that he is struck down by the risen Christ and he hears the words, Saul. Saul, why do you persecute me? Now one can only imagine Paul's shock and surprise when he hears the voice of God asking him the very question that he thought he was actually avoiding. Why do you persecute me by persecuting Christians? I can hear him saying, but Lord... I'm doing your work by persecuting Christians. I am working to preserve your faith, your church, so to speak. But no, Saul, you are actually persecuting the one who you claim to serve. And so when Paul speaks to Timothy, about discovering the grace and the love of God. When he talks about in his writings about being freed from the law of Moses and being liberated into the law of the love of God, he knows from whence he speaks. For from his perspective, he has committed the most deplorable of crimes. He has murdered in the name of God. And so from Paul's perspective, to be allowed the grace, the forgiveness, and to be deemed worthy of the love of, and salvation of God through the cross is huge. I can't even begin to express 
what Paul tries to express in words. I was lost, but now and found, is what Newton says. Paul thought he was found, but was truly lost. Paul literally was blind to God, but now sees the truth of the crucified Christ and the joy of the resurrected life. And it is to that joy that Paul writes to all the churches throughout the Mediterranean world that he creates and forms. And it's through that sense of grace that he writes to Timothy in our letter today. In Romans, Paul tells his reader that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. But I think he should have put a caveat in there. Because there is something that separates us from the love of God. It is our own sense of pride. Our own belief that somehow we are so bad that we cannot be loved by the one who created us. That is what separates us from God. That is what leads us down the wrong road. That is what creates the reality in our lives that we believe that we are lost. And yet the truth be told, we truly are never lost to God because God doesn't lose us. We lose the sense of God in our lives as we turn our backs in fear and in pride from allowing God to love us. And so we now hear the story of the gospel in which the Pharisees and the scribes criticize Jesus for dining with what they considered the lowest of low among humanity the tax collectors, and the sinners. How can a man of God defile himself in such a way to allow himself to eat with such people? And Jesus responds with those two wonderful parables that tells us, no matter who we are, no matter what wrongs we believe we have done in our lives, that we are so loved and so valuable to God that despite the fact that we are one among million of people on this earth, that if we find ourselves lost, God will leave all the others behind to find us. And when we are found, there is rejoicing in heaven no matter who we are, no matter what station in life we are born into, no matter what wrongs we have committed, what Jesus tells through the gospel today and Paul attests to in his letter to Timothy is that there is nothing we can do that will sever the love of God for us. For like the lost sheep, for like the missing coin, we are as valuable to God as they are to the shepherd 
and to the widow. Amen.